You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. Your boy, Pat Lane, as always, here with my guy, Matt St. Jean. Matt, OTAs have started, uh, finally. We've been able to, well, not we, but the media has been able to sit in on them. We've been hearing some things about OTAs. Uh, it's kind of exciting. It seems like Joe Judge hasn't been running extra 20-minute meetings, uh, so the Patriots are finally able to have uh, to have some uh, some OTAs, which we like to see. It is so incredibly refreshing to like just go and read all the beat reports from a day and not come away with from that with like a sense of doom like <laughs> oh there's competency it's been a while and like when's the last time you read one of those reports and it was like young offensive player looks great right outside of like mac jones at certain points especially his rookie training camp but other than that like i don't we haven't gotten one of those in a while there was a lot of hype around my boy Trey Nixon last offseason. Didn't really pan out, but there's a lot that's of hype around my fair. boy Trey Nixon. Um, you know, we'll see if uh if that kind of if he's trending in the right doesn't seem like he's trending in the right direction. But you know, you never know. You never know. I'm still holding out hope for my guy. This could be the year. Could be. You never know. You never know. So um, but no, it is good. I mean, look, last year they were they were trying to install running plays with no pads on. I mean, like, what are we doing, man? And so we're back to the basics. We're back to having an actual offensive coordinator, an actual quarterbacks coach, and an actual offensive line coach. Thank the Lord. We, it, it just, it's, uh, you know, it's like you say, refreshing is the perfect word for it. Like we're here. We feel like we're happy. Um, and I think Mac Jones is happy um, that he has an actual offense that he can run. And I think that that's, that's huge. And look, we still don't know if he's the guy or not. Nobody knows if he's the guy or not. But at least we can look at it and say we're at least giving him something this year. And so it's not a complete disaster. One one thing I thought was interesting, too, I think Andrew Callahan talked about this the other day on his show, just how competent the leadership is in all three phases right now, too. Yeah. Just because, like, especially after the last couple seasons with the amount of brain drain they've had like obviously we talk about losing tom brady that was a lost half the coaching staff yeah even more since then and now it's like all right offensive coaches you've got bill o'brien who's been not only an offensive coordinator but a head coach at the college level and a head coach at the nfl level the defense you've got gerard mayo who may be your head coach in waiting and steve belichick both guys who've been there for a while and know what they're doing and special teams it's cam acord and joe judge who i think both uh, people have questions about both of those guys, but they've also both been special teams coordinators before at least at, at least a decent level. And you'd think with right. both of them doing that, it's going to be a lot better than it was. And it's like, all right, now Bill can just sit back there and pick his spots. For sure. He, I think Belichick is such a details guy that this allows him to meander and have that. He can have that wide angle lens. He hasn't had in a long time right now where he can, poke and prod at all angles of the team instead of having to focus on one. hundred percent. And you, you know, you look at the the issues that happened last year with the mental mistakes 
and the penalties and, you know, the Vegas disaster and all those things, those things are, are a product of a, of a, of a team that is undisciplined, right? A team that isn't focused on the small things, which is so uncharacteristic of Belichick. But you look at it and say, well, yeah, if Belichick's spending all of his time on the offense and he's so focused over there that he doesn't have the time to focus on the rest of the team, to look at those details that everyone needs to pay, really pay attention to. And, you know, this hopefully is going to free him up to do that. And so, you know, I think that having him take a step back, although Adam Jones seems to think it's a terrible idea, having him take a step back from the offense, I think is a great thing. You know, I really do. And and look, that doesn't mean that him and Mac aren't going to talk every week because they are. It doesn't mean that he's not the head coach, so he's not in charge of the offense, you know, overall. He is. That's what he's in charge of, all that stuff. But, you know, it, it's just – I think it's it's a good thing to see that he has competent leadership in those positions, right? And I think that, you know, you really can't beat that. And, again, I think Clem – I'll throw Clem into that mix as well. I just think Clem is a guy that's gotten glowing reviews from everywhere, from Pittsburgh, from Oregon – and now he's here in New England and people are already saying that they like him and they've they've liked what they've seen. So um, I think that's big for them as well. So because the offensive line was a disaster last year at times and, you know, you really can't blame Billy Yates because he was supposed to be the assistant offensive, offensive line coach and all of a sudden he was the offensive line coach after week one. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> all of a sudden now I'm the head, I'm the, I'm the head of this really important position and he just wasn't ready yeah. for that, you know? And it's, I mean, you look back at last season too, and it's like, even if everybody on the staff was a good coach, when you lose as much time as you did, mm -hmm. then you're in a really tough spot. I mean, you know this as a math teacher. It's like what they did was basically like you get to the second quarter of the, the school schedule and discover that none of your kids picked up basic adding. Right. And you have to get through the rest of the curriculum somehow. Yep. It's like once if you don't have that basic building block, you you at that point you can't catch up and it, it snowballs. And you could see that with some of the blocking schemes, guys didn't have the details. And once you're in the middle of the season, obviously these guys all know football, and that's why it wasn't for as big of a disaster as it was at points. The team, you know, won eight games. It was one spot out of the playoffs. It was bad and it was incompetent, but they had those flashes because these guys are good players and They've all done stuff before, and there were good coaches on staff. You just you were missing the fundamentals, and that means you're adjusting to everything on the fly. You're going to be late on everything. You're not going to have the details you want, and that's kind of the difference between winning and losing in the NFL when you're about as talented as most of the other teams. Right. 100%. Couldn't agree more. So, all right, let's get into uh, our next topic, and we are going to talk about OTAs, as it says on the top, but – Bradley Brady fan, which by the way, thanks for thanks for coming through. Bradley says that he thinks we need DeAndre Hopkins. I think Matt, you might agree with Bradley. I disagree. I disagree with Bradley. Um, I'm gonna let you go first. That's what I'm gonna do. Unless you want me to go first, I can go first if you want. But I was thinking, you know, maybe you can go first and explain why you think the Patriots need DeAndre Hopkins, and then I will go about trying to prove you wrong. All right. Well, I. <coughs> Excuse the cough, by the way. I'm getting over a cold. I want to. I'm going to read you a list of names right now, Pat. Okay. Mac Hollins, Michael Pittman, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Gabe Davis, Paris Campbell, Curtis Samuel, 
Mike Evans, a 31-year-old Mike Evans, Tyler Boyd, um, Hollywood Brown, Marvin Jones, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool. Those are some of the receivers that are hitting free agency next offseason. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is better than almost all of those guys. Not all of them. There's some good names on that list. He's better than almost all of them. The team needs receiving talent, and it's not often that you have a guy as good as DeAndre Hopkins hit the open market for what should be a discount compared to what his actual value is. If you're looking to build around a young quarterback, I think in some ways, if you think he can still be an alpha, if you think he can still be a legitimate wide receiver one in the NFL, you have to at least try really hard to get this deal done. Um if you don't sign up, if you can't make it work, you can't make it work, but you have to really try because he can be a guy that elevates your team and you have the cap space for it. This is why you keep yourself flexible. So when a guy who's a Pro Bowl receiver hits the market, you can make this move and you don't know when the next time a guy like this is going to hit the market. I think you got to do it. I like that. I like that. Here's the argument I'll make against it. Okay. I believe that DeAndre Hopkins currently works in the Department of Redundancy Department. He he is a better version of Devontae Parker. And so, yes, would he be an upgrade for Devontae Park from Devontae Parker? Sure, he would be. I'm not denying that. But are you then going to turn around and trade Devontae Parker? Well, if he's an upgrade from Devontae Parker and they couldn't trade DeAndre Hopkins, then why is someone going to give you anything of value for Devontae Parker if Hopkins is so much of an upgrade that you're going to go out there and pay Hopkins probably $10 million more than you're paying Devontae Parker. That's the only – now, I, I know that the contract situation – I get that, right? I understand that the contract was, you know, nearly untradeable and all that other stuff. I understand that. At the But, like, you're telling me someone wouldn't give up a six-round pick for Devon, for DeAndre Hopkins at that, at that price tag and then just rip up the contract and do something different with him? I, I just – I find that hard to believe that now you're going to be able to turn around and trade Devontae Parker for really anything of note. Um, and so, you know. See, here's the thing. You mentioned at the beginning that Hopkins is just an upgrade on Parker. I think you take whatever you get back for Parker, which would probably be, what, a sixth, maybe a seventh, a day three pick of some kind or a pick right. swap or something is probably what you get for that, Yep, which is fine because you're swapping him out for a better player. I think the other thing is this. We know Hopkins has missed a lot of time in the past two seasons. Some of that was for a suspension, which I believe that had to do with his recovery from injury, right? Was that? I believe so. Steroids yep. from that, yeah. Yes, yep. He's been on the field a lot more often than Devontae Parker has been. And I like Parker a lot. I think he's better than what we saw last season. I think he'd do very well this year. But Hopkins is the same guy and just a full tier better and a full tier healthier as a player. Right. And... I think the other thing with this is you have some real cap flexibility right now. They have over $120 million in cap space for next off season. That means you can sign a deal here for DeAndre Hopkins. That includes an extra year, two extra years. However, however far out in the future you want to go, right. Throw the signing bonus on it and push that money into the future. And you can give them more money than other teams. You can spread out cap hits. Think in theory, if you wanted, you could do that and keep Parker and Hopkins. And now you'd have to figure out how that would work for on-field stuff, but yeah, you can really finagle the camp right now. And you go back to that list of receivers available next off season. Like if T Higgins or Tyler Boyd, the two Bengals guys, the names I'm looking at, those are guys you're going to throw real money at. 
the rest of those, it's like, all right. And I think most of the good receivers are going to get retained by the teams they're on anyway. So if you got $120 million to spend. If you're going to spend it on somebody, I'd rather spend it on DeAndre Hopkins than any of the guys who might come across your table next year. Right. I mean, I, I will say I think Pittman's a beast, but. Uh, I do too. But you think the Colts are going to let him go? They got cap space and he's their only real no, receiver not. right now. You would think. And they right, just especially... drafted a quarterback. Yeah, right. they're going to. They're right. going to keep him around. Boy, like Boyd, is, I think, is the only really good guy next year who could hit the market. The issue there, and I wouldn't let this stop you, but the issue there is that he's kind of the same mold as Juju Smith-Schuster. Right. But I believe he's also older. He uh, is, and he's not. He's fine. He's good, but he's not great by any stretch of the imagination, I don't think, at least. That's my personal opinion on on him, I mean, he's he's by far the best wide receiver three in the league. But of he's course, probably yeah. what a high tier wide receiver two, which is yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I'd go high tier, but he's definitely a wide. He's a good wide receiver too, is what I would say. Which is what a lot of people have said about Juju Smith Schuster. Right. That's like yeah. I, I I don't know if I would throw away Juju Smith Schuster to go get Tyler Boyd, and I don't know how feasible it is to have the two of them work together. So right. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. So we'll see. I mean, look, I, I don't – I'm not opposed to them signing DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not saying it would be dumb for them to go out and do it. I just don't think that they have to do it, right? Some people look at this – you know, it's so funny because even even Phil Perry, who we love, you know, is talking about, well, you know, OTAs. I'm looking out there, and it's Kayshawn Booty and Demario Douglas. And Bo, and I'm like, well, yeah, their top four guys didn't practice. Like mm-hmm. – of course, those are the guys you're seeing because the first four guys weren't out there. Like, take anyone's top four out, and of course, you're going to have a whole bunch of crap behind them, right? So it's like, yes, their depth might not be great right now, at least, and I think that I think their depth is actually pretty good. But like, but yes, if you lose your top four guys, sure, that's not great, and maybe you know the 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 injury thing is a, is definitely a concern, right? I think Devontae Parker, um. I'm worried about Parker being injured. I feel like he's injured all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about Juju getting injured because he's been injured in the last few years. Um, you know, I'm worried about Tyquan Thornton. You know what I mean? So, and, and so if we're talking about pass catchers, Hunter Henry is a guy who had that injury prone label coming into New England. Right. He's been, I think, has he played every game in New England? He may have missed one, maybe. Yeah, maybe one or one two. There. Yeah. But, but, but he's, he's played almost every game in New England. And it's, yeah. I, if, we're, if we're playing the odds here to a certain extent, you'd think he's due for an injury at some point if he's going right. to keep being injury prone. And it's like, all right, well, that's it's a lot resting on a lot of guys who may not be on the field. Right. No, it's totally true. It's totally true. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I think, I think you're right in the fact that they certainly can afford it. It certainly wouldn't be a bad move by them. By all accounts, they've been in on it the whole time. So they're obviously interested. But they're not maybe as interested as some people might want them to be because Hopkins still isn't signed, right? They, with all the money they have, they could just be like, hey, here's a bag. Come on, you know, come on and play with us, right? Well, and that's, that's the thing. The Patriots have never been a team to go in and do that, except for apparently Jonu Smith in free agency. <laughs> oh, um, so, yeah, like they're, they've never been that. And the, the other rumors are like that he could wait until training camp. I think he wants to take his time with this process, and I don't think he's rushing back to go practice with teams either. I think he's going to know what, what Phil O'Brien's doing. Like, I, I wouldn't be worried about DeAndre Hopkins picking up the offense, so I won't be surprised if, if 
a month from now, we have no resolution on this. If two months from now, we only we only get res- resolution on this then. So, yeah, I, I think if if DeAndre Hopkins gets signed to a reasonable deal somewhere, and New England wasn't willing to match it, I would be a little bit upset unless there's something they know that we don't especially about his injury and health status right now. Well, and not just that, but the culture fit, I think, too. And, you know, Phil has pointed this pointed this out on his next Pats podcast this week, but, like, he didn't practice. And I know he's a gamer, and I know he plays through injury, and I know he's tough as nails. I get all that stuff. <clears throat> but he hasn't practiced in years. The guy literally doesn't practice. And so I think that that's, you know, that's the problem with me um, is that, you know, is that going to fly here? Belichick typically doesn't, you know, doesn't doesn't think, allow things like that. You know what I mean? Well, he doesn't unless you're good. Like you know, all the it's all the stories about Lawrence Taylor falling asleep in meetings and all that stuff. But yeah, but that's I Lawrence think, Taylor. That's the best. That's the best of well, yeah. of all time. You know what I mean? And, and, it is. and that's this is the question: is if DeAndre Hopkins can go back to being that guy he was pre-injury and back who he was in Houston, really, and, and at points in Arizona, he was still very good in Arizona last year. Yeah. Um, if he can go back to being that guy, then I don't. If he's that productive, then he's obviously prepared enough. I don't really care what he's doing the other six days of the week. If I'm the coach there. It's just the other stuff. And I know I forget who wrote the article, but it was brought up um, just that there might be questions around dropping that much money on a veteran who's also not going to bring a whole lot of leadership to the table. Right. Um, which could be tough, but like, I don't know. It's an easy, it's an easy argument to make when it's like the 2014 Patriots and the teams of right. Buzzsaw. I'm willing to take a little bit more risk right now when a guy like that could be the difference between finishing second or fourth in the AFC East. Could be the difference yeah. between being in the playoffs and being competitive with the Bills or losing five division games this year. And obviously, like that's, I don't think Hopkins is realistically going to give you either end of that spectrum, but right. I think the team's going to play in a lot of close games this year. He's a really good player, he scores touchdowns. So. No, I get you. I get you. And and like I say, I don't hate it. Forever 617 says he lives in Arizona and uh, has seen him being a very disruptive guy in the locker room. So I haven't heard a ton of that. I know that he wasn't super happy last year in Arizona. Uh, it's pretty obvious for everyone to see. Um, you know, uh, would he be a disruptive guy in the locker room? No, but at the same time, and I know he respects the hell out of Belichick. We saw that, right, before the Arizona game. But like... He also does his thing, right? And so is yeah. he going to be happy when Bill says, hey, man, we got a lot of young guys out here. I need you to practice. I have to have you out there. Got to have you out there at least three times a week. Well, and I think – You know what I mean? Wasn't, wasn't the practice concern too about his rehab too and the status of his this ankle or something? So, this, I mean, this that, could also be one been of those – going on for years though, I feel like. And maybe I'm wrong, also, but I feel like that's been going on for years. It's also now that he's a couple of years removed from an injury – you can make it work and like i don't know i obviously it's a ridiculous comparison in some ways but the last kind of malcontent the patriots grabbed from out west was randy moss and i think right. we can all agree that worked out i don't like, wouldn't okay. expect this to go the same way but when you get have a guy and it, around the same age too when you have a guy who has that kind of talent if he can make it show on the field then you're willing to live with some of the other stuff maybe it is just for one year essentially like it was with moss but um I mean, I think we'd all take that right now. 
Having that for one year is better yeah. than having that for zero years. I would say, I would say so. I would agree. Yeah. All right. Before we get on to our OTA discussion here, just a little, little quick aside here. Team Crazy Matt passed his Ed TPA, which means he can finally get his teaching certificate. Congrats, sir. That is, uh, that's big news. It's big news. I, I think that Matt is uh, from the UK. I believe. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so it's a, the rules a little bit different over there. Nevertheless. Congratulations, uh, you know, uh, Connecticut. I'm an idiot. I don't know why I thought. What a moron, dude. Oh, I guess I see. I get him confused with the uh, with the other boys out west, uh, the other boys out east. Uh, Connecticut, right? I mean, that's yeah. basically England. You know what I mean? Connecticut uh, represent. <laughs> Not make well, CT, pride. CT in the house. I love it. Hey, man, congratulations. Uh, I have some friends that teach down in down in Connecticut. So if you need any. Uh, if you need any help, you let me know, and maybe I can. That's where I grew up. Job. Yeah, the great, right? the great Constitution State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I'm. Uh, it's it's great. It's great. It's. Uh, I got seven days left in the school year, and I am very ready going. for the year oh to be goodness. done. I'm very very ready for the year to be done. But I will say, like, I had a conversation with a kid today, and I'm not going to get into it because it's it's a personal conversation. But like, just the look on their face when I, you know, just basically when I said that, excuse me, that I would like be there for them and you could, they could come and talk to me if they needed something. You know what I mean? That, that for me is like just seeing the look on their face and you know, who knows what, what that kid's getting at home. You know what I mean? So that's why I do it for the kids. And I think that, you know, having that calling, um, you know, is, is great. And so if you love it, that's a great thing. You've been subbing for the last few weeks. That's the worst. Subbing is the worst. Substitute teachers are just the worst thing ever because they don't respect you. You have no power. It's just, yeah. And especially in June, whew, forget about it, man. It's That's rough. That's a rough time. So, um, but we need subs so that we can take, day, we can take days off. So we appreciate you coming in and subbing. Um, but anyways, so just a, just a quick shout out to my guy, Matt, down there. Uh, who runs runs all of the? If you have played a Tom Brady quiz on Sporkle, Team Crazy Matt probably runs it. Um, he runs a bunch of them. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. So, uh, really, an interesting fellow. A uh, lot of lot of good Matt guys around here. A lot of good Matts around here. You know, that's what they're saying. That's the word on the street. <laughs> so, all right, let's get into some OTA stuff. Uh, I know you had some guys that you wanted to talk about. Obviously. Um, they had Monday, Tuesday practice. Monday, not open to the not open to the media. Supposedly they went hard, I guess. Ran a lot of plays. Yeah. Tuesday, basically no one there. Um, skeleton crew. But you know, some interesting, some kind of interesting guys playing interesting spots, which is fascinating. They're playing, they played, they practiced again today on Thursday, not open to the media. They'll practice again tomorrow on Friday. Again, open to the media. So you would think, yeah, they probably did a lot today and we'll do nothing again tomorrow. So the media will see nothing again. Uh, so, and then of course, mandatory minicamp next week. So, but what have you been hearing about? What is getting your, what's getting the juices flowing for you, Matt, about, about OTA, about what you heard at OTAs this week? I mean, it's got to start with Taekwon Thornton. Just hearing good, and this goes back really to last week. But just hearing all that stuff about him using his speed, and mm-hmm. I get it. It's OTAs. There's no pads. 
this is the area where he should thrive, but he is thriving. Like right. just hearing that I think was really, really, really nice. Um, I'm so excited to see what it looks like this season. And I think it was Evan Lazar who was talking about how Bill O'Brien had success with a guy like Will Fuller. It was a speedster. And I'm like, that's, I hadn't thought of that. hadn't made that connection before, but that makes yeah. a ton of sense as a comp for how he might be used. So excited to see how he's going to look in this offense. And I'll add on to that. Just kind of Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien like that's, I, yeah. They seem to be hitting all the basics right now, at least from the outside. And I had also kind of piggyback, like putting the two things together. You said Monday's a tough day. Tuesday was a little bit easier. Uh, usually this is kind of installing plays and doing the basics. And I think that means that if they were doing a lot on Monday and it went well, they felt good enough for Tuesday to be a lighter day. And it's like, all right, they're, they're on schedule. Like forget about the mispractice. We've already forgotten about that at this point. Yeah. Like they, like yeah. that's in the past. Who cares? They're doing all right. This is functioning like an actual practice. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, I, I love the idea that Mac and Bill O'Brien are already kind of on the same page. They're running things what sounds like pretty smoothly, which is great. Um, and that's exactly what you're looking for at this time of year, right? Taekwon, man. You just feel like Bill is going to, you know, the Billy O is going to be able to use him more effectively than Matty P did, right? Like we saw a jet sweep when I mean, he scored a touchdown on a jet sweep last year, right? Like mm-hmm. let's run some more of that. Let's, you know, let's run crossing routes with Tyquan Thornton. If they're running man coverage, let's run crossing routes. Even if they're running zone coverage, the guy's just so fast, going to blow by people running across the, running across the field. So, you know, it, it's things like that, that I think, as he progresses and gets older, you know, and more experience, you're going to be able to do more things with him. And now with an actual offensive coordinator, you feel like he's going to be able to get the most out of his speed as well. Right. I hadn't heard the comparison to Will Fuller. I think that's a phenomenal comparison. Um, you know, kind of a great way of looking at it. So one of the things that I'm really excited about that happened on Tuesday was that city. So was that right tackle and you know, and I know that I know he's a backup at this point. I get that. But everyone talked about didn't draft a tackle. They should have gone after a tackle. And it looks like the Patriots may, in fact, have drafted a tackle. Now, I don't know if City So is going to stay at right tackle, but he does kind of give you that Marcus Cannon feel, right? And, and you know, a few guys talked about this, and I or can't remember Mike, exactly who. Michael Owenu. Or Mike Owenu, yes. And of course, Owenu is a, is a guard, but. But play tackle admirably his rookie year, right? And so maybe he's the type of player that you can put out there at right tackle and survive with. Now, is he going to start day one? Maybe not. But maybe he will. I don't know. Like maybe he beats out Riley Reef for that spot. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. Um, but at the very least, I think he provides you with some tackle depth. And the fact that they're giving him run at that spot tells me that they believe that too. Hey there, Pats fans in Massachusetts and Connecticut. DraftKings has upgraded their sign-up offer for a limited time. If you're a new user, you can now receive $200 in bonus bets by following just three three easy steps. You're going to create an account. You're going to deposit some money in that account. And you're going to make a $5 wager on any sport that you want. Whether your first wager wins or loses, 
you're going to get $200 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code Pats Nation. That's one word, Pats Nation, when you sign up. The best part is when you use that code Pats Nation, not only do you get the bonus, but it also supports our podcast, which we really appreciate. If you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use our code Pats Nation. Again, that's Pats Nation, one word to maximize your first bets. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and over and physically present in Massachusetts and Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-327-5050 Massachusetts or 888-789-7777 in Connecticut. Check out the episode description for the full terms of the offer. I, I like that a lot. And this is, it echoes all the stuff that we'd heard. Like it's, we knew that that's where they liked him and it's all right. We'll see him there. And um, right. I also kind of note in the offensive line too, Bill Murray was getting reps at one yeah. point, which is interesting. And then Antonio Mafi, who apparently you could see his movement skills, which one of the things I still keep bat, batting around in my head, like we've been talking or not. We, there's been discussion about Mafia as an Alwenu replacement if he does end up leaving in free agency. But the thing I think of is that it seems like Clem really likes these big body guys on the offensive line. And I don't know how much of a fit Cole Strange is. And not that right. Cole Strange was bad last year, but if you're looking to just have beefy guys up there who can push people around, I don't know if Cole Strange is necessarily that guy in the same way some of the other ones might be. So I'm not saying his job's in, in danger. But that's like one of those that's on the back burner of, okay, if, if Mafi is better than expected, does he push for a job at all? And obviously this is, we don't, we don't have pads on yet. So right. we won't find this out until August if there's even any kind of competition there whatsoever. But um, that's just one of those things I kind of had in the back of my head from a stylistic fit. Mafi might work better than Strange. Yeah, the strange thing is really interesting because you know you draft him last year because you think you're going to become an outside zone team. So you need those quick, you know, twitchy kind of offensive linemen. And now it seems like they're not doing that anymore. So now you're like, well, is he a fit? Is he actually a fit anymore? Now what's interesting, what I find fascinating is that he does kind of fit the profile for a center for the Patriots. <laughs> Yes. He and he repped at center in the senior bowl. Now they drafted a center in the fourth round, right? And Jake, um, Jake Andrews, who in all intents and purposes looks like he's going to be the, the David Andrews replacement. But you also drafted this guy at number 29 overall. Are you just going to throw him out because you know he doesn't do exactly what it is that you want to do? Maybe he fits best at center and Andrews ends up being you know, kind of that James Ferrant super sub for you. And you took him at 112 overall, which is a little too high for me personally, but, you know, maybe you're okay, or I'm sorry, 107 overall. So maybe, you know, but you maybe you're okay with that because you feel like that that's important, you know, and I don't know. Of course, I'm just talking on my ass here. I have no idea, but like, but it is interesting to think about, like, you know, if he doesn't fit at guard because he's not necessarily the type of guy that you want at guard, kind of is the type of body type you want at center, right? So, like, you know, it's just it's it's one of those interesting things where it's like he may not fit in this spot, but he might fit in this spot. And, you know, so we can see what, what happens. But I think the position versatility for all of these guys, for So, who can play tackle and play guard, for Andrews, who can play guard and play center, 
for Strange, who can play guard and play center. You know, so it's it's interesting to see these guys, and now you go into the year saying, we have some serious depth on the offensive line, and some of these guys are rookies and unproven, sure, but with enough of these guys, we're going to get a few that are going to hit, and our offensive line is going to be better this year, and in the next two or three years, you're looking at what could be an elite offensive line if these guys continue to grow. Uh, I will. Uh, you mentioned body types in there. I will say Cole Strange. I don't think is too far off from like a Joe Tooney in what right. they're like at guard. So it's not unprecedented. It's more so that we don't know exactly what Adrian Clem likes Correct. and will work with there. And like it's if you can't make Cole Strange fit, then I'll be a little bit concerned because I think he's at least a pretty good player or should be a pretty good player. But yeah. we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Um, yeah, I I have another offensive player I want to mention too. Do it. Who has gotten thrown in there? And that was Ty Montgomery. I've heard mm-hmm. more about him this week than I expected to. And he's had real issues staying on the field, obviously, last season, but a couple seasons before, too. He hasn't played a full season in a long time. And he hasn't been particularly productive in recent seasons either. But, right. I, well, I think the, the battle there for passing back is going to be very interesting. And, he might be the he's probably the best route runner in that group. We know Mac Jones likes to lean on those guys, so that could be a uh, a heavy duty role in this offense. And I'm glad to see he's looking good at least. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, that's one of those guys that you know a little bit under the radar. I think when they signed him last year, people were kind of eh, I don't know. And then he looked good in camp, looked good in the preseason, and then got hurt in the preseason, and that was it. Right? What was funny is that he got hurt in the preseason played in the first game and then was on IR for the rest of the year. It was really bizarre um, that he came back and then went on IR. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, that the, the running back position is going to be really fascinating to look at because I'm excited about Pierre Strong because he brings that speed and athleticism that, that really nobody else in the room has and only really a few guys in the league have. Now we can, who knows if, He's going to be able to like put that together if that translates onto the field, but his testing numbers are are through the roof. Right. And so you look at it and say, that could be an exciting player. We saw what he could do a few times against Arizona and against, I think Vegas as well. Right. So had some nice long runs there. Kevin Harris is a pounding back who, you know, ripped it up in the preseason and played decently well when he had the opportunity in the regular season. And then you have James, you know, James Robinson who, Looks thick as hell. I mean, thick with a few with a few C's. You know what I mean? And so, you know, to me, it's like there's a lot of guys there, and then you throw Ty Montgomery in the mix as well, and you start looking at it, saying like they have a really strong running back room, and I don't know what's going to happen right now. James Robinson has almost no guaranteed money, so there's no guarantee that he's on this team. I think it's similar now, similar to. uh, what the hell is it? I'm trying to say to you. I don't know. I, I think I lost it. I, I think Montgomery has similar numbers to to Robinson. Montgomery's not a, a guarantee to be on the roster either, right? Oh, so yeah, they might. I think they might have the exact same numbers. Yeah. So I think both of those guys could be the odd man out. Um, you know, unless all those guys kill it, and you think you can squeeze Kevin Harris through onto the practice squad. You know, um, and maybe you can, maybe you can't. We'll see what happens. You know. Yeah. So. Um. I do, I do want to mention the flip side here, which is there's a pair of players who I feel like we haven't heard much about in the reports. 
um, I figured are worth mentioning. One of them I'm not at all surprised. We haven't heard much about. Mm -hmm. And that's Ronnie Perkins, who I had forgotten he was, I almost forgotten that he was still on the team until you go through the photo galleries and you see a couple pictures of him popping up there. But yeah, it took him. Ferret was he a third round pick, I believe. Third uh, round pick, yeah, ninety six overall, I want to say. So I will. Neighborhood. So, um, yeah, and that's one of those guys. I don't think he's gonna make the roster, but you never know. Uh, and you're not gonna, you're never gonna hear much from a guy like that in an unpadded training thing like this, learning stuff. But even just not hearing his name pop up anywhere is probably not a good sign for him right now. Yeah, and then the other one is Pierre Strong. I feel like we've heard so much about Ty Montgomery and mm -hmm. so little about Pierre Strong, and this is one of those situations where you know these are unpadded training things. This is where speed kills, and this is where the passing game is going to get taught. And I feel like if Pierre Strong was going to be the next passing back, we'd have heard a little bit more about him at this point. Obviously, this is a sample size of right two practices open to the media one of them was a walkthrough essentially so we don't know what's going on on the other days but i think strong's one of those guys where you'd expect him to stand out in this format and i, I thought it was weird that we didn't see much about him it's a great point it's a great point about strong um i will say perkins i think uh phil i think had mentioned that he had popped a little bit on tuesday and again it's unpadded practice so we don't really know what's happening um you know it, there's not a lot of physicality unless you count, you know, Christian Barmore throwing haymakers. There's not there's not a lot of physicality, right? And so fine, but I do think, you know, that some of that speed. He, he what he was saying is that the speed was was you could see it from Perkins, um, and so that, that might not mean anything, but I do think that that was. I did kind of file that one away because now, Perkins is a PFF darling, right? And so yeah. the PFF people. You know, if you don't like PFF, then you don't like Ronnie Perkins, right? But Perkins, I think, was the only guy – was the only guy, I believe – the only Ed's player in last year's draft – or no, two years ago's draft, I'm sorry, the 2021 draft. He's the only Edge player that was in the – had a 90 overall grade against the run and the pass. Again, that's PFF, so take that with a grain of salt. But that was, that was how highly they regarded him. Um, and so – just fascinating stuff, right? When you look at it, and so we'll see. There's a long way to go, but you know, yeah. The I don't have high hopes for him. Let's put it that way. I'm not like he's not going to be an impact player. I don't think, and maybe he surprises us, right? Josh Uche didn't look like an impact player, and all of a sudden he was, right? And so this time last year, we all forgot Anthony Jennings existed, and he that's correct. Pulled, put it all together, so uh, yep. to become a, a nice little role player. So. That opportunity is there for Perkins. It's just tough for him because Jennings is decent and Uche yeah. broke out and right. they drafted Keon White. Um, obviously, Dietrich Wise is still around. And yeah, you're only, there's only room for maybe one more roster spot there. And that's going to go to a guy who can play on special teams. And as of right now, I would take uh, Demarcus Mitchell over Ronnie Perkins. Right. Well, yeah, with special teams. Yeah. So it is. I mean, that's the part, right? you kind of feel like, well, if he was good enough to really push for a roster spot, they wouldn't have drafted a guy in the second round, right? So, um, you know, we'll see. Long way to go. We Pads aren't even on yet, but I don't have necessarily high hopes for Ronnie Perkins, who I was excited about when they drafted him, but I don't have high hopes for him. So a few shout-outs here. Uh, my dad, Jerry Lane, Night Train, the little Night Train lane over there. Love to see it. And then Gary 
joining us from the UK. See, I knew someone was from the UK. Uh, he's not the only one either, but but uh, joining us in the UK, thinking that we have to go after D-Hop, which I'm um, with you. And ZTAC saying that PFF is on, on the naughty list again for the Judon disrespect. Couldn't agree more. I mean, you, how do you not have Judon in your top 10 edge rushers? That's crazy. Um, but yes, PFF. That's why we take PFF with a grain of salt. <laughs> you know? It's PFF. There's one clear way to use PFF, and that's when it supports your arguments. It's right and a great Bingo. source for data. And when it doesn't, who listens to PFF? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. By the way, uh, can we? I just got to point out for a second. We are wearing matching, matching shirts right here. Yeah. Little matching, little matching PNN. Look at the little Pats Nation Network Pat shirts we got on me last week. I got a whole envelope with some stickers behind me love too. It. I love it. Uh-huh. Very excited about it. Very excited about it. So um so anyways, uh, you know, yeah, I'm uh I'm excited about these and we're gonna try to make some more and get them out to some people if you want to buy them. We'll see what happens. Um, but I don't have like I don't have like an online store and stuff. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh maybe as the as the season approaches, we'll do some stuff. So uh oh, and Team Crazy Matt says PFF simulated the Pats going four and thirteen. Yikes, that ain't good. But I believe one of the wins was against the Bills in Buffalo. Because that makes sense. Yeah. But didn't they also <laughs> – somebody also had one with the Pats going, having like 11 or 12 wins. So, I don't know. We don't even have rosters for this season yet. We don't even know who would be like the top 65 for any of these teams. It's right. way too early to be doing yeah. that. Agreed. Agreed. Also, my dad says that uh, he practices more than D-Hub, which, you know, is is a bold claim. But maybe not wrong. I don't know. D-Hop so, <laughs> does get in the end zone more often than your dad, I would That's assume. a great – that is a great point. That is a great point. Better contested catch rate, I would assume. Um, so. I, I, have, I have not seen your dad play football, <laughs> so I could be wrong here. I think I, I think you're on to something, though. I do. Yeah. I would say. Um, yeah. I do want to mention Thad Skywalker coming in. Mm-hmm. Malik Cunningham, excited to see if he turns into the next Myers or Edelman. He's an interesting guy. I don't know, like – I'm very curious to see how this looks come training camp. I want to see how they use him. I want to see how they use him in the preseason. Um, I'm not going to say he could be the next Myers or Edelman yet, but he has the athleticism. Like, I want to see. I don't think it's, like, assuming he's going to play receiver, I don't think it's that crazy to say he could make the team over a Douglas or a Booty either, or over both of them. They're six-round picks. Like, that's you can make it over guys like that. So, We'll see what happens. Um, ceiling is high, floor is super low for anybody that's switching positions. Yes, agreed, agreed. And and so, you know, who knows? But the Patriots' issue with wide receiver is not their depth. They have a lot of players at the position. And so the question becomes, now, they don't have a number one receiver, which we all know, but it's not a depth problem. So it's not like Malik Cunningham can just step in and, and you know, Oh yeah, he's guaranteed a roster spot. That's not how it's going to work. But if he's an electric athlete and shows that he's an electric athlete and can pick up the QB, uh, pick up the wide receiver position there, that's, you know, I'm not putting that outside the realm of possibilities, um, that he could, that he could theoretically make the team as a wide out. So we'll see, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call him the next Julian Edelman, but you never know. You, you never know. Right. So, yeah, they, did, um, they didn't think Edelman was going to be that at that point either. And it, it it also took him quite a while. Edelman was, what, class of 09? And yeah. he didn't become the Edelman we know today until 2013, really. Right. That's right. when it all came together for him. So, uh, 
yeah, I mean, Cunningham as a practice squad guy, I think is super enticing too. And I think the I think the reports from practice too where the Trace McSorley has not looked very good. <laughs> Been bad. So, yeah, so Cunningham, if he if they're gonna have to play QB too, I think is QB three, he'll he'll have a chance for that too if they want right. to keep somebody around. So we'll see how that happens. Well, I think that that works out well for the Patriots because you can keep that fifty third. Well, no. He would be 53, but you can keep the 40. Yeah. So you just still have to make the 53 man roster. Like it's not like they added another spot on the roster. They just added another spot on the, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, no, and we know, I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, Thad. I, I know you, he was saying he didn't mean it to be as good as Edelman. And and I think, you know, we know that, that your expectations aren't that high. And so, um, you know, but yes, it is interesting to see if if he can if he can do something. And Zetac, I did talk about Trey Nixon. I already mentioned my guy right uh, off the bat from OTAs last year. You missed it, you know what I mean? But uh, I listen again. Double dip on some Trey Nixon. Talk. It's still it's still possible. It's still possible. I'm all yeah. I'm holding out hope. Still have the rookie auto the rookie autograph card. So it'd be real nice if he would <laughs> if he would take off and I could be like, look at this, look look what I got. So yeah, um, a little bit. Too. But so, I mean, he's been a practice squad guy. Like, yeah. even for for where he was drafted, him sticking around this long is pretty good value. I think for that pick, just right. as a practice guy. Um, Agreed. Just terrible. While we're talking the receivers, I think we can also mention like apparently there were reports about Kayshawn Booty getting yelled at by Bill O'Brien. Oh yeah. Oh, I guess it was epic. Supposedly, it was every every time I hear anyone talk about, it, they're all, they're laughing because Billy O. I mean, he has a famously loud voice anyways, and I guess he just laid into him for being lined up in the wrong spot. But I will say, it's OTAs. It's the first time they've been on the field. Yeah, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. If he can take the hard coaching and learn from it, I think that's great. And this is – I was bringing it up to make the point you just made. Don't overreact to this. This is the teaching period. This is the point where you're allowed to screw things up. Yes. We'll see – if he's still making mistakes like that in training camp and getting yelled at by the coaches, then that's a whole other thing. Right. But right now, no, this is this is where this is your first hurdle. All right, how do you bounce back? What does the next day of practice look like? What does the next rep after that look like? Right. Agreed. It makes you a professional. And from what people from what I heard, at least, that was very early in the practice. Very early in the practice. And he had a pretty good practice. Uh, from what I heard. So that bodes well for them. You know, he got screamed at the beginning of practice and still, you know, kind of put it all together and figured it out. So I was happy to hear about that. Um, one more thing before we go. Christian Gonzalez, man. Oh, my God, dude. He's gonna, I know it's he's early. Start, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know it's early, but my God. Well, you just – I mean, we haven't seen much video. I know that. I realize – He's not even wearing pads yet, but the athleticism, you could just see it. I mean, when Kyle Duggar, who's an incredible athlete, comes up and talks about your athleticism and how how fluid of an athlete you are, that, I mean, I'm like, okay, I'm really excited. And so, you know, I was excited anyways. The first clip that came out of just him backpedaling and then and then cutting towards the sideline was incredible. The, the CLNS video that came out of him skying up and picking that pass off with one hand so nice it's man it's just it's the you know and from what i've heard is the transition from the back pedal to the break is 
instant. It's fluid. It's not two steps, not three steps. It's one step. Foot in the ground, he's gone. And that's the type of stuff where I just think that, you know, I'm very, very excited about him, um, you know, as an outside guy. And Marte Mapu has been practicing quite a bit all over the field. Linebackers, yeah. you know, and safety, free yeah. safety. He's been flying around the field. And I know he's wearing a red con- no-contact jersey right now, but the fact that he's out there practicing right now leads me to believe that in a month he'll be ready to go for training camp. You know, I mean, if he's out there running around right now, you would think so. And it's so, clearly they're asking him to do a lot, like playing multiple mm-hmm. positions right now as a rookie. Like that's yeah. a big ask. So the fact that he's on the field right now is huge. This is right. your learning period where you get to go out and figure some of that stuff out at anything close to real speed before this gets real and put that playbook into use. So being out there and getting those reps for him is huge. I don't know if it means a lot for how much usage he will get as a rookie, but it sets such a nice foundation to build oh, yeah. off of for the future. And I don't know. I don't know how much Marte Mapu we're going to see in week two or three, but week 15, 16, 17, especially right. you know, late season games against the bills and the jets where you got mobile quarterbacks. Yep. By that point, I think you're expecting for him to be ready and to make an impact. And uh, agreed. You should be. Yeah, agreed. And that's, you know, I think, too, you talk about how hard it is for rookies to pick things up. And, you know, Malik Cunningham's kind of doing the same thing. But when you're talking about rookies out there on the field learning multiple positions on the fly, that's impressive. I mean, that's just, I'm sorry, but that's just impressive. Like, we're talking about how hard it is for everyone to learn the offense. And it is hard for everyone to learn the offense or in the defense, depending on what position you're playing. But now you're talking about Mapu's playing linebacker and free safety. Malik Cunningham's playing quarterback and wide receiver. I'm really interested, you know, to see that because it's like, wow, it's hard for these guys to learn one spot. Now these guys are learning two spots and maybe even three spots, depending on, you know, what what shakes out by the end of training camp. So I think that that's a good sign for guys. And even a guy like Keon White who – you know, yeah, probably he's going to play a little outside linebacker, but was dropping into coverage in OTAs, right? So there's a guy little, that uh, is going to be a pass rusher. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and a 295, 285 pounds or whatever he is, that's crazy. So um, so we'll see. But I just think I think that's a good sign. I think we've seen good things already from their young draft picks. Um, and so I think that, you know, as much as some of the, some of the people didn't like their draft um, – I think we're gonna we're gonna see it pay dividends early in training camp and and hopefully early in the season too. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. Do you have anything else? Anything else you want to mention? Jack Jones correcting Albert Breer on Twitter earlier was was pretty so funny. Good. So good, yeah, out there defending himself. But no, that's that's all I got. I know this is we're recording this Thursday night, so Friday we get one more open. Yep. session be curious to see what we get from that and then when when does training camp actually I think, start so i think mandatory minicamp is monday through wednesday and i believe the media is there for all three of those days i believe all right so we'll get, um, some, we'll get some feedback coming up here shortly so we'll get some feedback from there and then there's a there's an off period and i think i think they've released the dates just yet but i'm usually it's that like you know the the first week in the twenties in July, so like the twenty yeah. second or the twenty third or the twenty fifth, somewhere week around in July. That. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, right. um, so that will be that will be that. One quick thing that I want to add in uh, for those of you that are watching uh, on the stream, 
right now. You can see that I'm in currently in my basement. Um, that is being redone right now. So the Patriots uh, are redoing the team in the offseason. I am redoing my basement, finishing my basement, and I'm hoping, um, praying, really. Uh, no, not praying. It, I will. This will be done in a few weeks. So I'll have right. a, I'm hoping by the beginning of the season um, that I'll have a real nice setup down here uh, with an actual desk and like a like a nice chair, uh, which would be great. I won't be sitting on a couch or what I'm sitting on. I'm sitting on a wooden stool right now. So it'd be nice. It'd be nice to have yeah. a little setup and I'll have some pictures and some autographed helmets and some things like that. So so I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited about 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 the future of yeah. uh, of the podcast, at least from the um, you know from the YouTube, you know. By the time we get to training camp, it's going to be different for both of us. I will be in a new apartment too. You'll have your right. whole new thing. We're both going to have new setups. I don't know if anybody noticed, but I I bought a camera too, so I got the improved quality over here on the stream. Love it. It's a great great off season for the Patriots. Great off season for the Pats Nation Network. Yep, and, I love uh, it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. We're excited about it. So, all right, one final segment before we're out of here, and uh, and then we'll get you on your merry way, people. Here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. All right, so I actually have two uh, this week. Do you want me to go once, and then do you have one or two? Uh, I'm still looking, so. Okay, all right. Well, so there you go. All right, so uh, on this day, which w- which of course is June t- June eighth, nineteen twenty, this is just so stupid. Uh, the Reds' Ed Roush falls asleep in center field during a long infield argument. It's <laughs> like that's insane, dude. He fell asleep I, I in think, center field. I think that happened during some little league games I played in. <laughs> so. Uh, so Henny Grow goes to wake him up, but the umpire uh, re- ejected him for delay game. Well, rightfully so. You can't fall yeah, asleep in the outfield. Uh, even if there's even if there's a big conversation going on, you still can't fall asleep in the middle of a game in the outfield. Uh, so there's that one. And then it, uh, on this day as well, June 8th, 1933, Jimmy Fox, A's first baseman Jimmy Ooh. Fox, hits three consecutive home runs. Philly beat the New York Yankees 14-10, which is great. But – What's crazy about it is that not only did he hit three consecutive home runs and three consecutive at-bats, his last at-bat the game before was also a home run. So in four consecutive at-bats, he hit four home runs. It's pretty incredible. Ultimate heater right there. That's Mm -hmm. incredible. Yep. Uh, Mine, on this day in 2001, Boston Bruins legend Ray Bork played his final NHL game. Oh, Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup dub. Um, it must have been right for the uh, for the Avs. Yeah, I think so. I think he walked out a champion with the Avs, and they had a big parade for him and everything like that. I'm pretty sure, unless I'm wrong, unless he came back another year. Um, Let me uh, double check this. He played. He played two years for Colorado. Oh, really? Yeah. No, it was. It was that was the Stanley Cup champ year. Yeah. Oh, it was okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Not How about too- that? Not too shabby for his his career to go out like that. Pretty nice, pretty nice. And then we we threw a parade for him, <laughs> which I mean, you know, ultimate loser move uh, by Boston. But it was cool to see to see Ray Bork that get was, one. And then this was pre Boston becoming the city of champions again, too. Well, now listen, now hot take here. Maybe it was the good juju that we needed, right? Like it turned it all around. 
all of a sudden the Patriots won the Super Bowl less than a year later, right? And and we've been title town ever since. So maybe that was maybe that was what we needed was was to throw a parade for a guy who won a championship in another city. So, so but all right, that's what we got uh, for you today, ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls. We appreciate you coming through as always. Um, we'll be back with you next week talking more OTAs and mandatory minicamp. Uh, so we're excited about that. And then, uh, you know, the, the summer's kind of on and off. I'm traveling a little bit, um, but we'll be back. We'll be back talking. And we what we would like to do really is give some discussion about we have some interesting ideas for the offseason. So um, perhaps we'll even put one in the can and release it just as in a podcast episode uh, and not as a live stream. Um, and it will be kind of a, a one that we've recorded early that we release at, at another time. So we'll see you. But uh, we'll see what happens. But anyways, thank you very much for, for coming through and listening. We appreciate it as always. And, uh, and we will talk to you next week.